all we can do in our own strength is miss the mark. That's what sin means. It means to miss the mark. And the mark is God's righteous standard. You and I cannot meet that. But thanks be to God because Christ Jesus has fulfilled the righteous requirement of God, of the law, that we are no longer under it because that has been fulfilled in us. He took our sins, bore them on his body on the cross, and he gave us his righteousness as a covering. In the book of Psalms, there are seven particular psalms that are often called the penitential psalms. These include Psalm 6, Psalm 32, 38, Psalm 51, Psalm 102, 130, and Psalm 143. Now these are called penitential psalms because the content in them is, is a penitence of David confessing sin, of the psalm writer confessing sin, and asking for the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God to be given to him. Now you'll probably recognize I mentioned Psalm 51. That's probably the most famous penitential psalm written after David's sin with Bathsheba. And that is one of the best models that I think we have as Christians in the scripture in terms of a prayer of penitence, a prayer of confessing sin, and of asking for mercy from the Lord. Now, Psalm 6 in particular has been interpreted in two different ways. The reason being that David uses often the language and imagery of sickness in these penitential psalms. And so in the verses that use this language of sickness, I'll be sure to give you both interpretations. One that David actually is dealing with a life-threatening illness here, and this is his prayer for deliverance from it. And then the other side, which is more accepted, that this is the imagery that David is using to describe the consequences, the ravages of his sin upon his soul and his very being, and how this impacts his physical body as well, as he's dealing with this sin that goes unconfessed until he opens his mouth in prayer. And so now we're going to look at Psalm 6, verses 1 to 3. In the ESV, this psalm is titled, O Lord, Deliver My Life. The inscription writes to the choir master with stringed instruments, according to the Sheminith, or the eight-stringed lyre, or the octave, a psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? The opening verse here, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. To rebuke someone is to judge, to correct, to convict them of wrongdoing. To discipline someone is to chasten them. Now, would you rebuke or discipline someone who's been doing what is right? Of course not. You rebuke the one who's in the wrong. You discipline the one who has been disobedient. Now, I want to make a distinction here because Scripture uses the language of 
discipline and chastening for God's children whom he loves. But notice that this is a plea for God not to discipline him in his wrath. This is not a discipline in order to further his sanctification in something. This is not a discipline in taking him through a trial in order to strengthen his faith. This would be a discipline as in a punishing kind of chastening in the wrath of God for David's sin. And this is why he's asking not to go through this. David's fully aware of his sin here, his offense against the holy God. Now this verse reveals to us the seriousness of sin. David pleads not to be rebuked in anger, not to be disciplined in wrath. What do these words, anger and wrath, convey? In the Hebrew root for anger, we find the definitions a nostril, nose, face, anger. A nostril as in breathing out an expression of frustration and anger. A face also expressing one's anger. Let this give you a mental picture of the Lord's attitude towards sin. Anger. Now the word wrath gets even more serious here. The Hebrew root gives us the definition, hot displeasure, burning anger, heat, rage, fury, wrath. Sin is not taken lightly by the Creator. And at this point, I want to ask you, the listener right now, is this how you understand God's view of your sin? When you read this verse, examine your heart and your attitude towards your sin. Can you understand God's anger against it? Can you understand God's wrath? Because if you do not see your sin in this serious light, then you don't see God for how holy he truly is. Now, these same words that we read in Psalm 6 verse 1 can also be found in Psalm 38 verse 1. Psalm 38 is another penitential psalm in which David's asking God for mercy and forgiveness of his sin. And there David writes the same words, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. I find the fact that there's more than one penitential psalm very comforting. David prays these penitent prayers multiple times. And as they were written for music, they're used corporately as well. So what does this mean? Well, one major point that we can glean from this is that there's not a day that goes by when you will not have sin to confess. In Psalm 19, verses 12 to 13, David writes, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. What person is able to understand all of the ways that he sins against God? David asks a rhetorical question here because the answer, of course, is no one. David asks to be declared innocent from hidden faults. If you and I were to be given a list of all of the sins that we have committed against God in the past week, I can guarantee you that half, if not most of those sins, 
would never have crossed our minds unless it was told or revealed to us. This is why it is so important to always be in a posture of humility before the Lord, of thankfulness for his son on the cross, and of an asking for mercy and for grace. Because you and I on our own, all we can do in our own strength is miss the mark. That's what sin means. It means to miss the mark. And the mark is God's righteous standard. You and I cannot meet that. But thanks be to God because Christ Jesus has fulfilled the righteous requirement of God, of the law, that we are no longer under it because that has been fulfilled in us. He took our sins bore them on his body on the cross, and he gave us his righteousness as a covering. And so, yes, we have our sins every single day, most of which we, we couldn't even remember, but they are so subtle, subtle attitudes, subtle thoughts, subtle things that we'd say to someone that we, we wouldn't even recognize as not being godly. And so I want to encourage you that you are covered in Christ's righteousness and God's grace is what gives you the strength to continue each day. But I also want to encourage you to be more mindful about everything you say, everything you do, every attitude and posture of your heart towards people, towards situations and circumstances. Now let's look back at verse 2 of Psalm chapter 6. David says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. And when he asks the Lord to be gracious to him, he's asking for mercy. To be gracious is to show favor and to show pity. Now this word languishing here, this is the word the ESV uses. It means weak, feeble, sick. And this is where some people interpret this psalm to be David's cry for healing from sickness because languishing is, is a term of being physically sick. And David continues with this physical language here when he says, heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. Now in this, this ancient Hebrew context, the bones are seen as the seat of one's physical strength and health. It's the essence of a man, the essence of a person. And so for David's bones to be troubled, this means at the very core of his being, he's not at peace. He's troubled, he's anxious, he's dismayed. And so he asks for healing. And this word healing can be also interpreted as restore. Literally, it means heal me from an illness, from an injury. But if we look deeper, heal me means restore me. And in verse 3, he continues, he says, My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? David mentioned his physical self. Now his inner being, his soul, the Hebrew word nefesh, describing how this sickness or the ravages of his sin have engulfed him entirely, his whole being. His physical being is troubled. His soul is troubled. 
So he's asking the Lord, how long? This indicates to us that David's been going through this for quite a while. If we understand Psalm 6, with David to be using this language of sickness as, as allegory for the ravages of sin, then in Psalm 32, this question of how long, we find some insight here. David says in verse 3, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Now David here is talking about the ravages of his sin and how it's affecting him physically, spiritually. This is a mirror of Psalm 6. They're both penitential psalms. I believe that Psalm 6, David's not talking about his physical illness he needs healing from. He's talking about his sin that has so ravaged his spirit and his body that he needs to be restored. Psalm 32, verse 5, David says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And so in these first three verses of Psalm chapter 6, we have a model prayer of petition to the Lord for restoration because of sin. Now, this doesn't mean that you cannot pray this when you're sick. That's the beauty of this language. You can pray this speaking to your spiritual being, or you can pray this for physical healing and restoration. And like I said in the beginning, the fact that there's more than one penitential psalm gives us so much language and so much beauty that, that David has penned for us to model our prayers after. And so if you're in sin and you know it, or if you know that you have sin, even if you can't specifically name all of them, which all of us fit into that camp, take Psalm 6, even verses 1 to 3, because sometimes we can stay away from the Lord when we know we've sinned especially, we can be covered in shame. Our minds will fill up with doubt. And we'll begin to believe that God does not want to hear from us. That he's looking at us cross and angry because we've sinned against him. David says, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. This is where I want to point you to the beauty of the gospel again. Because of Christ, who took our shame, our sin, who bore the wrath of God, who drained the cup of God's wrath against us. The Lord will not rebuke us in anger and wrath for our sin. The Lord will chasten us and discipline us for our sanctification and our growth, because as a loving father, disciplines his child, so God the Father disciplines those whom he loves. But it is not in punishment for our sin, because our sins have been forgiven. And so what, what are we praying for then? When David says in verse 2, to be gracious to me, O Lord, heal me, O Lord, my bones are troubled. How do we understand this? Well, when you sin, 
your fellowship with God is now marred. Not because of anything he's done, because your position in Christ before him is one of being clothed in his righteousness. We are in Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we are there with him, because we are in him and he is in us. So what do we need healing from if we're already forgiven? In the letter to the Ephesians, Paul writes, in Ephesians 4, verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when we sin against God, it's not that he takes his spirit from us because his spirit seals us, is the guarantee of our inheritance. And it's not that we need forgiveness or else he will pour out his punishment on us for that sin. No, it's that we have grieved his spirit. We have marred our fellowship with him because we have turned back to the old master. We've given our body, our mind, our tongue, whatever it is, we've given that over to sin once again. And so we pray for restoration and grace from God that he might turn us back towards him. That we might not give our members over as instruments of unrighteousness to the old slave master's sin because we're not slaves to sin anymore. We ask God to be gracious to us to restore us and heal us in our spirit, to refresh us with the truth found in his word, that we might once again turn and look at him and look at his son and give ourselves as living sacrifices, give ourselves as instruments to be used for his righteousness. And then when David says in verse 3, but you, O Lord, how long? This will apply directly to one who's going through sickness. That's Again, that's the beauty of this. Whether you're in physical illness or whether you're in spiritual illness and sickness because of your sin, you can pray this prayer. How long if you are sick? This is an honest petition before God. You don't need to hold anything back. God is not so weak that he can't handle your honesty. I encourage you to use this prayer as a model for your own petitions, whether it's for penitent prayers or whether it's for prayers for physical healing. Because the Lord God hears his children and he answers his children. He will restore you. You are forgiven. And if he so wills, he will heal you or he will give you all that you need to endure the trial. And Lord willing, in the next episode, we'll continue in the other verses of this song.